Welcome back to Seven Skills for the Future podcast. My name is Emma Sue Prince. I'm your host and I am author of Seven Skills for the Future, published by Pearson Business. And this book looks at seven really important skills that we each have the ability and capacity to develop every single day. Those skills are adaptability, critical thinking, empathy, integrity, being proactive, being optimistic and being resilient. And really adopting these skills means that you are in the driving seat of your own life. And the podcast is all about focusing on these skills more deeply. And this season in particular, it's about interviews with great people who I feel embody some of these skills. Now today, I'm really pleased to be welcoming Virginia Isaac to the podcast. And Virginia has become a good friend. Um, When I first met her, I was incredibly in awe of her. She's a very successful entrepreneur and educationalist, and she's worked in the field of careers for many, many years. Um, she's president of the Career Development Institute and she was former chief executive of Inspiring Futures. And this podcast was, this interview was actually um, recorded last year um, when I was really just embarking on this adventure of podcasting. Um, and I decided to save it for uh, for a season when I would be focusing on, on great interviews. And Virginia is a really inspiring person. She talks so so eloquently and so articulately about careers and how they're changing and how careers work which she's been involved with for so long isn't about job matching anymore it's all about developing the skills and attributes that you need for a VUCA world and a VUCA world is volatile uncertain complex and ambiguous so completely aligned to the seven skills and we talk also about how the skills connect with equipping young people for the world of work um virginia is a huge supporter of the seven skills she's been like i say a good friend as well as a great colleague um so i'm really pleased to be airing this interview today with lots of lessons and insights for educators trainers teachers and entrepreneurs everywhere so enjoy this interview So I'm delighted to welcome my guest today, Virginia Isaac. Um, Virginia has a long-standing career and expertise with career development. She was the former president of the Career Development Institute and also chief executive of Inspiring Futures. Um, and I'm particularly interested to talk to Virginia today uh, about her views um, in connection with career development and these particular skills. So welcome, Virginia, to the show. Thank you. Um, so my first question is uh, about you, really. How did you end up working? Working in the field of careers. What's your story? Well, when, when I was young, I was always rather envious of people who seemed to find a career and, and stick to it, and they were on the career ladder, and I always felt rather inadequate because I suppose my career, if you can call it that, has been a, a more of the crazy paving uh, mm. variety. It does mean that I've, I've covered a lot of ground uh, which I might I, I might hark back to, um, but when uh, I was asked about uh, six years ago uh, if I would be interested in becoming chief executive of the Inspiring Futures Foundation, my first reaction was, well, I'm not a careers advisor, how can I? But then I looked back and realised that the whole variety of work and different things that I'd done and using different skills actually equipped me very well to be able to take on a very broad brief uh, with regard to 
careers. And perhaps just to give you a flavor of the variety, uh, although I was trained as a teacher and did some teaching, my career, and sometimes one puts that in inverted commas, uh, spans uh, self-sufficient farming in mm. the Brecon Beacons. Mm. It includes setting up and running a water bottling factory, which was then very successful, Brecon Waters, um, then selling that out to, uh, to a larger company. It included a spell in, uh, in a medical business, and then went going back into education mm. uh, with a government database of courses, and then working for UCAS, the Universities and Colleges Admissions Service, for 15 years, actually, but in a variety of roles, mm. um, and culminating in being um, interim chief executive there. Then went to the Quality Assurance Agency in higher education, and then on to Inspiring Futures. Mm. So a wide variety, and I suppose I my, my reaction was, what would a careers advisor have told me? Mm because mm. how could they have told me that these were all the completely different sorts of jobs yes. that I would do? Yes, yes. Wow, and that's uh, a real um, testimony to being adapt- adaptable throughout one's working life. I didn't realise that, mm. though, and I think mm. a lot of young people, because I've worked mainly with young people, uh, don't understand the skills they have mm. and they can't articulate them. Yes. And I do remember when I was first involved in careers, sitting next to uh, one of the great gurus in careers, actually, Tony Watts, and I sat next to him and I said, look, this is all very well, this careers malarkey, mm. but nobody could have told me what <laughs> I was going to do. Yeah. And he said, no, no, no. He said, you are a very clear example of planned happenstance. Ah. Now, I haven't heard of planned happenstance either. It is something that careers advisors do learn on, on courses. Mm. So I said, well, what's that? And he said, well, you are bringing the same qualities to all your different jobs. Yes. And then he said, you know, you're opportunistic, you're outgoing, you like people. And suddenly the penny dropped that it didn't really matter whether I was farming... Yes. Or whether I was bottling water or whether I was in education, I was bringing those qualities mm. to each job. And that, that was a sort of a, mm. a kind of wake up moment, really, yeah. understanding. I didn't yeah. need the hard skills. I had to learn about mm-hmm. farming, mm-hmm. I had to learn about water bottling, etc., yeah. etc. Mm. But if one had that attitude to life, it makes yes. a huge difference. Yes, yes. And um, how would you define careers work today? given what you've just been saying? It's, it's, it's an interesting people. question. The problem is that there is a perception still, however hard, and particularly with the, the Career Development Institute, the CDI, we were fighting this all the time, there is a perception that careers work is all about job matching. And then people say, well, you can't possibly advise people on jobs because we don't know what the jobs Mm. of the future are going to be. And you say, that is not the point. It is not about job matching or career matching anymore. The other disadvantage is they all say, oh, I had careers advice when I was young and it was a complete waste of time. Mm. Mm. And you say, well, why was that? And they say, oh, well, I was told I should be a... Uh, not there's anything wrong with these careers, you know, a taxidermist or a librarian, and actually now I'm a brain surgeon or the rest mm. of it. People just didn't seem to understand that careers guidance and advice is quite different from matching you to mm. a job or career. Mm. So in terms of definitions, 
and this is something still the government doesn't seem to grasp, uh, is, first of all, it's about um, people understanding themselves. Now, that's probably a big ask. <laughs> do, do any of us understand ourselves? Mm. Understanding their strengths, their weaknesses, their interests, their aspirations, their motivations, uh, and what sort of values they mm. have. Mm. Now, how possible that is, I don't know. Um, but it's important that you know yourself because otherwise... I mean, there was research the other day, uh, I must check it out, that said something like three-quarters of people or two-thirds of people are unhappy in their jobs. Mm. I mean, that's yes, massive. That is a lot. Because yeah. uh, mm. at the end of the day, unless you're, you're very rich or married to somebody very rich, we all do need to have jobs and careers and we have to earn money. And wouldn't it be better if you mm. were working in an area that actually... Um, have floated your boat, made you yes. excited, etc. So the first step, I think, with careers work is all about self-understanding. And actually, I'm a, I'm a great fan, although people, again, are a bit apprehensive about this, of, of um, interest questionnaires and mm-hmm. even psychometric testing. Mm-hmm. And there are a whole range on the market. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was at Inspiring Futures, we used the FutureWise one. Mm-hmm. But basically, mm-hmm. this is helping people gather objective evidence Mm. about themselves Mm. now interest questionnaires are all about their self-declared interests but personality comes through because personality is important and then also things like um, verbal reasoning numerical reasoning very different from Mm. the maths in school so in terms of careers there's a whole process of understanding themselves um, knowing what the opportunities are out there there is a model which uh, I better not if this is going to be on a, on a podcast. There's a model <laughs> called the DOTS model. Mm-hmm. But actually, DOTS are in the wrong order. So DOTS are for decision-making, opportunity awareness, transition, and self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Well, that's almost the wrong way round. <laughs> Politely, it should actually be S-O-D-I-T. Self-awareness, opportunity yes, awareness, yes, decision-making, yeah. and then implementation and transition. Mm-hmm. So that, to me, is mm. what careers guidance and advice yeah. is about. Yeah. And you could say that it's such a complicated world, a complex world mm. now, mm. Um, particularly for young people, but not least for older people as well. So self-awareness is, is, is where everything begins. I mean, I, I 100% believe that that is where change happens as well, self-awareness. And I think some of the tests you're talking about can be a great starting point can't they um because otherwise where do you start with developing your self-awareness it's a springboard it's mm. a springboard for discussion yeah. and one reason why psychometric tests uh, uh, people are, are dubious about them is again they say this is about job matching ah i so, see oh it says that you might be interested in in um doing medicine or yes or, or you know, doing a, a, being a plumber or etc yeah. etc et yeah it also but it challenges people yes and it, yes. people might say well i have no interest in medicine you know why mm. on earth does that come up well mm. why are you saying that actually the way you answer the questions mm. you're interested in helping people mm. you, you're you've got slightly you know a scientific analytic mind and you go through the underpinning qualities yes so actually the yes. job is just a framework yes not a prediction yeah, yeah. it helps there have been companies who say we won't um, explain these uh, attributes 
attributes or characteristics in with jobs because that can be misleading mm. but it's quite difficult for students to get a handle on if you think oh well you're very good at communication mm. Mm. well what does that mean yes absolutely so it just yeah. helps their frame yeah. of reference yeah. Um, yeah it also helps because um, parents and guardians however much they love young people don't necessarily know them that well mm. either mm. because there's a sort of power relationship mm. between the parent and mm. the child yeah. And the parent might be living out aspirations that they had through their child. They mm. may be ambitious for the child. Mm. Mm. And there are all sorts of cultural norms there too. So some cultures will say, look, you know, if you can be a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant, that is success. Mm-hmm. But it might mm-hmm. be not, not what's not right for the child. Yeah, yeah. and I think it's interesting because as you, as you were saying earlier about your own um, development, it's about the qualities that you can bring to different things. So you might be equally good at a number of jobs because you're bringing those qualities and those soft skills perhaps to that particular that particular job yes and and i think particularly in this in this uh, day and age it's called what a bucker bucker world volatile mm. uncertain complex and ambiguous mm. uh, you, you're it's not just single strands that you follow there's that you have to take a far more um, holistic approach, mm. a multidisciplinary approach. Mm. Mm. So it, this happens in education as well in, as it, in, in work, whereby it's not, oh, well, I'm studying geography, I'm going to be some, a geographer, or I'm studying economics. Mm. You've got to bring them all together. Mm. And what always comes through for me is that, yes, you've got diff- bringing different sorts of knowledge together, but underpinning that knowledge mm. has got to be a skill set. Mm. Mm. which people may well have, but they're just not aware of it. Mm. Or most of them, and I'm sure you will talk about this in the book, you're able to grow them as well. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you can't say, oh, well, I'm useless at communicating, therefore I'm not going to be a communicator. Mm. There's a, a, a wonderful book um, called the, Mar- the Marshmallow Test. I don't know yes. if you come across that. Yes. Yeah, great. Where yeah. It's a great book, and, mm. and it's, it's, it's held um, you know, its value over, over time. But that shows particularly how there are certain qualities, um, particularly sort of deferred gratification, yes, yes. that can be learnt. And I think that applies to, yes. to a lot of the skills in, in the advantage as well, whereby people, first of all, have to recognise the importance of the skills mm. and then say, no, I do need mm. to be more flexible or I mm. do need to learn. Mm. Not for all jobs, yes. but still, it's something they've got to be aware of. I have to actually admit to doing that marshmallow test on my son when he was about three years old. <laughs> With what result? <laughs> Dare I ask? De- determination. Right. Yes. De- yes. Deferred gratitude. Yes, yes. yes. Um, so let's talk about young people. Um, what, what do you think career support should ideally look like for them? If you could, you know, redesign it or recreate it, what does it need to look like? Well, in an ideal world, it would, to my mind, be integrated into the school Mm. day. I mean, what is education for if not to prepare young people for life and work after school? Mm. The trouble is, at the moment, the school timetable is dominated by uh, subject knowledge by exams and by league tables. And there is no extra money. And also, 
uh, often in state system, the, the day is not that long mm. either. And this is where the independent sector have an advantage because yes. they, they can do more extracurricular stuff. It has to be recognised as a valuable activity for all sorts of reasons. But when you talk to teachers, understandably, they say, look, the whole curriculum is full up as it is. And on top of that, we've got to help young people with um, sexual health and mm. cyberbullying and, and all these kind of things. Mm. There just isn't time. So there's a big issue about time. If it's integrated, though, into the curriculum, that then time is made, which is helpful. Mm -hmm. To my mind, having... Uh, people parachuting in to a, a school, as, as was the case often with the career service and, and with independent companies, to have somebody parachuting in for a 20-minute interview really doesn't cut it. <laughs> and, and I rather favour this sort of triage approach, whereby if teachers in schools, who are not necessarily going to be qualified or professional careers advisors, at least understand, I mean, they know the kids, they're with the kids mm. all the time, to understand that helping a young person try and work out where they'd like to be after full-time education, whether it's school, whether it's college, whether it's university, that is an important job. Mm. And then if they can also take advantage of, uh, of independent careers advisors, that's very helpful. There has to be a they say that um, careers guidance, careers advice, it's not an event, it's a process. And that process actually should start in primary school. Mm. Because otherwise young people adopt these sort of stereotypical views. I mean, first of all, the whole gender thing, you know, yes. oh, those jobs are for girls, those mm. jobs are for boys. Mm. It's changing slightly, but mm. still they're very focused on, on gender stereotypes. Then they are really only aware of, of jobs that perhaps their parents do or don't do or their immediate circle. Schools might say, look, there's such a long time before you know, they actually go out into the workplace, it's irrelevant mm. to start uh, introducing it. But to my mind, it should be introduced in, in primary school, just in terms of them understanding the different sorts of jobs that mm. are out there. In terms of the process, it certainly should start in year seven, mm. Uh, a light, light touch, but just opening their eyes to the opportunities, not least before they start choosing GCSE options. Mm. Because as we know, if the wrong options are chosen mm. at GCSE, but particularly A-level, that can cut down people's options like yes. mad. Yes. So it needs to start quite young. Then a lot can be done in terms of careers education and group work mm. about why these things are important, how to go about it. And there's some super programs out there to help schools. When it comes to personal guidance, and I'm a huge fan of personal guidance, I mean, whether you call it a careers advisor or whether you call it a mentor or whether you call it a counsellor, it is an opportunity for that young person, probably for the first time in their lives, to talk to somebody who has no vested interest mm. other than their mm. well-being. Mm. And that person is independent and impartial. And if they're careers advisors, you know, I would highly recommend that they are fully qualified. It's not, with all respect, the person who works on reception half the time mm. or the physics teacher. Mm. Um, it's somebody who's got that ability to draw out of young people. Yeah. 
what, um, where their interests lie, where their ambitions lie, what's important mm. to them. Mm. So in terms of the process, I see it starting young, fairly light touch, group work, careers education, mm. including some of these online tests, but they can't just be done in isolation. Mm. Because otherwise people take the results sort of verbatim, yes. whereas instead it's saying, oh, that's interesting, Virginia, it says you should be a, uh, uh, a horse rider. And mm. I'd say, well, I'm terrified of horses, <laughs> I don't like animals, why is it said mm. that? Mm. Well, because over here you've answered that you like being outside and um, uh, you, you have an empathy for something, etc., etc. Mm, yes. And then you say, okay, well, horse riding may not be the thing, yes. but have you thought about yes. something like that? So yes. it just uses it yeah. as, as a springboard mm. in that respect. Mm. One thing I'm worried about, and I'm not sure if you're going to go on to talk about this, but uh, uh, is the emphasis now from government on employer encounters. Now, there's no doubt that if young people, I mean, my, uh, my niece, uh, where we are today, she's got a week's work experience in London. Well, the first thing is how on earth do I get to London? Yes, yes. How do I get to the yeah, station? Yeah. I've never been on, you know, using the Oyster card before. I've got to get there on time. Yes. All these things they have to learn. So work experience absolutely is essential. Mm. An encounter with an employer, unless that's very well defined, mm has limited value mm. and in, an encounter with an employer could be uh, an employer coming to a school and giving a talk to 200 people who've been shoveled into a hall saying you might be interested mm. in this mm. so but it's so, so encounters with employers are important work experience is is vital mm. but it's got to always be done within the context of of careers guidance yeah. I mean one great step forward that I think the government is making having at long last after about nine years rubbish careers advice uh, and guidance is they're now pushing this idea of a careers leader in every mm-hmm. school mm-hmm. now that careers leader may not necessarily be qualified to, to graduate or postgraduate level although one would urge that that was the case but they are able to coordinate a careers programme. So they could bring in employers from mm. here, they could have a careers fair there, they could contract with some external advice mm. uh, and putting yes. it all together. So that's yeah. certainly a great step yeah. and, and great direction. Yeah. Unfortunately, it keeps coming back to who pays. Yes, uh, yes. And, and that's an issue. Yeah. Okay, so as you know, we've, um, we've de- developed a workshop around the seven skills, um, adaptability, empathy, critical thinking, integrity, being proactive, being resilient, being optimistic. Um, and we deliver it to a range of different groups. It's been very well received. However, with young people, we have had to adapt the workshop for their needs. And you may have answered this a little bit in the question before, but why do you think it might be that they struggle to get to understand concepts like being resilient or being adaptable for themselves? Perhaps because these things aren't explained to them Mm. uh, and they may not be aware whether they have them or not. When I was at UCAS, it was always interesting talking to young people about their personal statements because you'd say, oh, you know, put down what you've done. And they'll say, oh, I'm, I haven't really done anything. Yeah. And then with a bit of probing, they, oh, well, I, I did do a paper round, okay, and, and I did um, have some part-time work mm. in a bar, and I did go travelling, and then you start to say, okay, 
what did you learn from all that? Yes. Well, yes. paper round, I had to, I had to get up early. Mm. I uh, had to uh, find ways of, of getting on with the boss. And, and they start to, so you say, these are all skills. Mm. So they need a, a, a translator almost. Yes, yes. To, to pick out of their experience what they're doing. Yeah. Or, oh, I failed my driving test and now I'm devastated, but now I've picked myself back. Mm. Well, that's resilience. That is resilience, yeah. So I think yeah. that has to happen. And I'm, and I'm not sure whether schools do that, mm. whether parents do mm. that. It's only something I've become more aware of, actually, not least having met you, Emma Sue, and, and reading the book. And in fact, uh, Inspiring Futures did quite a lot of work with the National Citizen Service. Yeah. And that was something that we kept pushing, that the National Citizen Service has got a huge amount going for it. But the, the students tend to just go on a whole series of activities. Yeah. yeah. A bit like the Duke of Edinburgh. Yes. yes. There's never any time for drawing out the mm. skills and reflecting mm. on the skills yeah. and then mm. relating them to the world mm. of work. Mm. Mm. So they may have gone into to a town to, with a questionnaire yes. and you're asking people for their views on X. Well, when you take that back and say, OK, how did you feel about approaching people in the street? What did you say? How did yeah. you, uh, what did you have to prepare in order for your questions? And it's pulling all that yes. out. And that's yes. where I think yeah. these skills yeah. are, are so yeah. important. Yeah, and, that's, and that reflection process is vital because that's what helps to build self-awareness. Exactly, in, exactly. Know, um, yeah. So... Um, Thank you. It's been really interesting talking to you. Um, as you know, I'm, I'm in the process of, of writing a second edition of this book and updating um, a lot of the research and um, some of the, the ways that um, these skills are, are being embraced now. Um, what do you think is one key concept that I should include in, this, in the second edition? <laughs> Uh, that's that's a good question because I was wondering at what stage I could turn the tables on you and ask you some questions. <laughs> and, and I suppose the question I was thinking mm. of is, uh, I mean, there are lots and lots and lots of skills out there, and yeah. trying to narrow them down mm. is is very tough. You know, what do people need? Yes. yes. And and I was just going to get your view on that. Yes. I suppose the one um, that I find I can rely on quite a lot. Is and it may fit in one of these is is judgment mm -hmm, mm -hmm. how to develop judgment mm -hmm. and it's it's particularly topical at the moment with um, with fake news for example yes yes uh, and how people can actually make the judgments mm -hmm. as to what's true what's not true mm -hmm. uh, even in schools I think they do t teach uh, for example this is perhaps a little bit of a, a kind of red herring but. When they brought calculators into schools, people say, well, you know, students will stop being able to do mental arithmetic, etc., mm, etc. Et mm. and, and probably to a certain extent yes. that's true. But the skill there is being able to judge whether yes. the answer you've got mm -hmm. makes sense or not. So if yes. you're saying, oh, well, I'm going to do, you know, 30 times 30, well, is that 90? Is that 900? Is that mm. 9,000? Now that's a different sort of judgment, yes. but it's, and it may be that fits. Would you say that fits into your critical thinking? Yes, it's 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 definitely been an increased focus of the critical thinking um, because um, that's one of the key skills. So, so Pearson have also done some research into twenty thirty future uh, skills of the future, and one of them is is this ability to um, process information, process more information, be able to make decisions, be able to de decipher, you know. 
different types of information because we're just yes. overloaded with so much yes. now. Yes. Um, so, and, and I think we have the capacity in our brains to do that, but it is a matter of managing how we handle all the different things, yes. news come, that comes yes. in. And I think one of the things that's come out very much in writing the second edition is, is much more overlap between the skills. Yes. So, for example, something like mindfulness or the practice of being present and mindful um, was something I, I wrote a lot about in the empathy chapter, but actually it comes into critical thinking mm. and mm. being resilient, where you you know you're not sort of reacting to everything. You're building in reflection. You're building in quiet time. Maybe you're thinking about how you begin your day or how you want to go through your day, and these are things that I think help with judgment because you start to question things and you start to think about the language that you might be using. So when you're using language like, well, everyone says this or uh, sort of this all or nothing kind of thinking. Um, so I think by sharpening some of those skills in simple ways, like think, you know, how we use language or how yes, we begin yes. our day or whether we are mindful or not can help with critical thinking skills which I would never have thought when yes. I first wrote the book yes. um, but I but um, I, I think that judgment and be, being made being able to make those judgments comes into the critical thinking and is something that we have yes. you know it's like with all the skills we have the skills yes it's just actually bringing them, using them and, yes. and, and, and bringing them out I mean my other worry but this may reflect my age is um, the whole impact of technology and social media mm, mm. and whether that will require not the practical skills but uh, other other sorts of skills to be able to cope with that I mean yes. you indicated sort of finding ways of, of processing so much information yes. I always remember when at UCAS we did a survey as to which medium students used to gather information and we said oh, you know a book or a radio or a television mm. or a computer etc etc and the answers came back you know in, in a week mm. that there were far more hours in a week than that they were doing stuff than actually in a week <laughs> and it was because of course they were both looking at a book and the computer and yes. listening to it all at the yes. same time when they, when they yes. added it up yes so i mean there are when you turn it on its head with with social media sort of issues i think that are starting to arise whereby mm. uh whether it's in terms of interpersonal skills and empathy, mm -hmm. computer games, yes, a student losing empathy. That may be a really interesting dimension to see whether people are actually going backwards on yes. some of these things. Yes. Uh, with Google, you can um, you don't have to remember anything anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'll just Google it. Yes. So, so memory, is yes. that something? But then somebody said the other day, yeah, there was equally... Um, fear when writing was introduced yes. that people would forget yeah. all these stories yes. and all the word yes. of mouth so it's yeah. trying to make goes back to judgment as to mm. what is being lost which is important yes. and what is progress in inverted yes. commas yes. Um, understanding how to interact with the new world of, of artificial intelligence and robotics I mean yes. presumably you have to try and bring these elements into mm. but I suppose the beauty is I'm sure you'd say these skills are appropriate regardless they are yes, yes. so people they to are. say oh well it's not relevant because the world has changed mm. it's not relevant because these jobs have gone mm. Mm. well where are they not needed yeah 
Yeah, yeah. 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 So have you have exactly. you got any? Or was that giving it away? Have you got other skills that you're going to bring in? Because um, it's nice to stick to the seven. No, no the seven. The seven are the seven. But but definitely what's been what's been creeping into these this rewriting is has been more uh, about the overlap between them. And um, I've certainly have written quite a bit about technology. Um, and I've sometimes thought, have I am I writing about it too much but actually yes. it is it is yes. very very relevant yes. and 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 we are learning and i think we will continue to learn how to manage that technology and how to manage ourselves but i always say it comes back to the one you know the one competitive advantage that we have is our uniqueness yes. and, our, and our skills yes. And, yes. and and that will always be the case That's no matter right. what job yes. you what, what job you do yeah. the other relevance of course i mean particularly integrity empathy Optimism uh, can't really be done by a robot. No, exactly. Yes, yes. Which is very important. I mean, critical yeah. thinking. Perhaps the robot can can do. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. And, so and these are very fundamental. It's the fundamental yeah. skills. I yeah. Think. And and again, drawing on this research that that Pearson did as well about about these fu- the future of work. Yes. What it what it comes down to very strongly is that actually it, it is all about this. It's not necessarily even that jobs may change that much, but the skills that we use will and and. These are the kinds of skills that we that we need to be able to do the, our jobs and but be able. Those to... practical skills undoubtedly will change, but some of these soft skills, yeah. I suspect, I mean, they have to adapt to the new environment, but uh, are, are more important than ever. Yes. Really. I don't know if I told you before um, that my my father was a was a very famous man. Actually, uh, did I tell you this? No. no. <laughs> uh, he was somebody. Uh, <laughs> That statue down there, that head, doesn't quite look like him, but it is, it's one I'm going to take home with me. But um, he was somebody called E.F. Schumacher, mm-hmm. and he wrote a, a kind of world bestseller called Small is Beautiful. Mm. And that was published 40 or 50 years ago, but it's still very current. And it's based, it's called Small is Beautiful, a study of economics as if people matter. So it's very people-centred. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he very much pushes the holistic nature, and, and we've touched on it before, the interdisciplinary, the multidisciplinary nature, bringing all these things together. Mm-hmm. But, um, fundamentally, it does also come down to, to values and integrity. And he, he also wrote a number of other books, and one is, again, The Future of Work and How Work Can Be Meaningful. Mm-hmm. So if people find work that plays to their strengths, where they can use these skills, they're far more likely to be happy and yes. fulfilled in their work yes. than if yes. they're doing something which is really quite alien to yeah. them and they're just doing it to bring the money in and they, yes. they don't care. Yes. Yes. So, uh, yeah, no, oh, all, all interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very, very much for your, for your time. It's been fantastic talking to you. Um, and um, I look forward to presenting you with a copy of the new edition when it, when it comes out. Well, thank, thank you, so you and I'm looking, looking forward to it. So thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Seven Skills for the Future podcast. You can find all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere where podcasts can be found. If you want to make sure that every new episode ends up on your phone, all you need to do is hit the subscribe button. And while you're there, why not give us a five-star review so more people can find out about the show? 
If you'd like to stay in touch or send in one of your questions for Emma Sue, then go to Unimenta on Twitter, 7 Skills for the Future on Instagram or at unimenta.com. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, there's the book, 7 Skills for the Future, available at booksellers everywhere.